Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. So, Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to share your word. Thank you for Sunday service. Thank you for a time that we can contemplate the atmosphere upon the earth and the climate uh, concerning spiritual matters that are taking place upon the earth. You're not surprised by any of these things. You are not moved. You sit upon your throne. You have allowed us to sit in heavenly places and contemplate together with you the things that are happening upon the earth. So we pray, Father God, that we would have your mind and your thoughts so that we might have your peace and that we might have, Lord, uh, disposition of an expectation of your faithfulness. Uh, You say in your word that perfect love casts out fear. And a lot of people are seeing doom and gloom upon the earth, but we're seeing your salvation. Our eyes are upon you, and your word is faithful to declare these things before they happen. So give us a heart to listen. Give us ears to be able to welcome your word and tune our lives to what you have said in your word, that we might have peace, that we might have security. We pray, Father God, that you bless your word that it finds a place in our hearts as a good seed that will give forth good fruit and that will glorify you, O God. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. May it not return void, O God. May it fulfill that for which you send it. And we pray your blessing upon your word and that as we welcome it, we might nourish ourselves from the bread of life. That men not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. Be glorified and minister to us through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The present affairs upon the earth where everything is felt to be shaken is seen in Haggai chapter 2 verse 6. The Lord has told us that he is going to once more cause all things this is what the lord almighty says in a little while i will once more shake the heavens and the earth i'm going to shake the sea and the dry land whenever there's this level of commotion you cannot have the lord absent the lord is not taking a nap in uh we see that he says that he is the one that causes all things to shake. And so verse 7, it tells us that there's a purpose behind this shaking. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And the purpose is to fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. So... Everything being shaken and the turbulence being felt in every sector of human existence, we see the hand of God moving 
and the declaration that he is going to fill this house with glory. And then he ties this to an economic understanding, verse 8, where he says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. This is something that a lot of people are running after the revenues of gold and silver and don't understand that the Lord gives it to whom he will as the omnipotent God. Verse 9, the latter glory of my house will be greater than the former. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord God Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And so we suggest that in the last days when everything is being stirred, when everything is being moved, it is those that are rooted and grounded in the house of the Lord who will have prosperity and peace and find promotion. So while a lot of the present crisis and emergency mode is making people run in many different directions and find their security and refuge in other places, we find it important in this season to look at our relationship with God and to draw nearer to him. And that is the solid place. You want to find a secure, unshakable place. And the Bible tells us what that unshakable place is. It's his kingdom. Uh, we need to look at that very quickly because when all things are shaking, there is something that is not shaken. And that's found in Hebrews, I believe it's Hebrews 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we're, we are welcoming and receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, you're either going to be part of those things moving and unreliable or you're going to be part of this kingdom that cannot be shaken and so as we are welcoming this kingdom and that is the place of government that's what a kingdom is it's the domain of the king and this kingdom is unshakable it cannot be shaken so that let us therefore have thankfulness let us receive the grace of God and let us worship God in a manner which is acceptable with reverence and awe. So the way out of the present crisis and as everybody is alerting to many different uh, areas and crisis, you see that, that it's, it's all over the place. It's not only... Uh, social crisis, an economic crisis, a political crisis. And so that's what's being uh, served on a daily basis in, in whatever direction that you look at, the epidemic uh, health crisis, the educational crisis. All these things are being moved like they haven't been moved in a long time. So that produces fear if you're not 
in the standing of the place of love. If there is no expectation of the goodness of God, then you are taken with the winds that are blowing in, our, in the present season. But the Bible says there's a place of refuge, there's a place of um, peace, tranquility. Things are still when you are rooted and grounded in the government of God. And so, and just as Peter was walking on the water, he was walking on the words of the Lord who was saying to come. As soon as he took his eyes off the Lord and put it on the waves and on the wind and all the things that were happening, uh, he began to sink. And the same thing happens with Christians that have a worldly mindset and concern for the natural things. So here the Bible says, in the midst of shaking, in the midst of all nations, he says he will shake the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the land. There is an unshakable kingdom in that midst. And so 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, gives us the primary instruction. When we're being warned and alerted with regards to the emergency crisis and nature of what is happening, he says, since everything will be destroyed, since everything is going to be moved, since everything is going to lose its place, and that makes for a horrible existence when you're planning that your money is going to be there, that your retirement is going to be there, even your employment is going to be there, Everything is moving in such a way that there's no assurance in any direction. And what uh, the forefathers gave us was just a bunch of imaginations and lies. What they promised we would inherit that was outside of God's word has totally diminished and become nothing. And since everything is moving in that direction... The question the Bible has, which is the, which is the clear question to be asked in the midst of all this shaking that's going on, is what kind of people ought you to be? And this is the question that a lot of um, people that come into my office in the midst of crisis, when they come to the pastor's office, they're like, Pastor, what am I going to do? And I tell them, no, I don't want you to do anything, is what are you going to be? There's a big difference between doing and being. Because if I tell you what to do, you will do it for a season. But if I call you who you are to be, then that will sustain you throughout. It's a big difference from doing something and being something. So you could act in wisdom... Or you could be wise, and it's a big difference. Because if you're wise, you will do everything in wisdom. And if you're just asked to do something that's wise, when you turn the corner, you go back to your foolishness. So you have to ask yourself that question. Are we going to be the kind of people that we ought to be? And that becomes a reference not for the climate and the situation, and it doesn't matter if the winds blows and the rains fall, and the floods rise, 
when you are what God has called you to be, then you will be sustained in the midst of whatever happens. You're not to concern yourself with what you're going to do, but decide who you're going to be. And if you decide who you're going to be, that answers every question. And then the Bible, thank God, leads us into the right answer to the question, what kind of people we ought to be in this season. Because my friend, I'm seeing chameleons come out. And the chameleons turn every shade depending in the circumstance they're in. But God needs a people that's a remnant regardless of what's taking place. Regardless of what the circumstance or the situation is, if you stay the course and are who you ought to be in this season, then you will be here on the other side of whatever is taking place. In fact, the Bible says we are going from glory to glory, from triumph to triumph, from victory to victory. We continue to be more precious on the other side of whatever the trial or the adversity might be, he says, like gold and silver and diamonds. It doesn't matter the fire that we go through. The only thing the fire and the trial serve is to purify and to remove the dross, the impurities. So the trials that we go through only perfect the substance of the work and the character that God is doing. And so we have great expectation. And Paul says, none of these things move me, nor do I consider my life precious to me that I might finish the race that God. So we, we know where we're headed. We know who we ought to be. And the Bible answers that question. What kind of people ought you to be? Here it is. You ought to be holy and godly. You ought if you're going to see that everything is being destroyed, it's godliness and holiness that is being perfected in us. And that no one can take from us. And that is foreign to many people. They don't understand holiness. They don't understand godliness. And the things that motivate holiness and godliness is verse 12 which is we're looking forward to the day and it speeds, it's coming. The day will bring it about. The destruction of the heavens and the fires and the elements. Everything is going on a downward spiral. Listen, the fact that we have a candidate for the presidency that is talking about all manner of righteous issues that is not what history has shown. History has shown that those who lead nations are corrupt and evil men. But that should not move you when you walk in the character of holiness and godliness. So yeah, it's great to have righteous judges and a righteous president and someone who promises to have a relationship with the Lord and he's going to lead the land based on righteous principles. 
But the truth of the matter, we have already experienced pharaohs. We've already experienced kingdoms of Babylon where the righteous young men, the three Hebrews that were found in the oven, in the fiery oven being persecuted because they refused to worship is probably more in the nature of what we're looking forward to. In other words, we're not going to be Christians because there's a Christian president. We're going to be men and women of God regardless of who is elected to office. Regardless of what the government chooses. Right now, the legislation of the American government has already made homosexuality legal, has made same-sex marriage legal, has made abortion legal. That doesn't move our disposition and conduct. And while the landscape is full of 50 shades of gray, we don't know what is going to happen in what direction. The Bible says, as we're looking forward to the destruction and the shaking of all things, we're being part of a kingdom that is unshaken because we're walking as a people that are looking for, listen, holiness, which speaks of separation. You, you have to walk in a disposition where you, there's a line between where you should be and where you should not be. And this, this, this life of holiness, the disposition of godliness, being more and more like God, it's not affected by circumstance or situation. You're not to be blown into the wrong direction, you're to stand immovable in holiness and in godliness. This separating, this walking in a manner of character. I, I often use Revelations twenty two eleven as one of our verses that the Bible says in the last days, you're to choose. You, you, watch, watch what the Bible says. And this is the very last book of the Bible. It's very unusual counsel and inst instruction. Let the one who does wrong things continue to do what is wrong. There's, if you decide to to drive on the wrong side of the road, it's not like you don't know that you're going against traffic. You're doing something that the Holy Spirit has told you is wrong. Your parents have told you it's wrong. Your friends will tell you that it's wrong. Your parents will tell you that it's wrong. Your education, school teachers, go meet with them and say, look what I'm doing. And they're going to look and, and say, you know something? We've been telling you since you were a little child that that's the wrong way to do things. Because you're educated. Because they've pointed the right direction for you to move in. Not to be selfish. To be humble. To be meek. But finally, what God has always done, and he did it in the desert... He said, all of you that refuse to see Moses as the leader, stand away from him. 
And he draws a line in the sand and he says, those of you that will follow Moses that I've picked, stand behind Moses. And then the earth opens up and everybody in disobedient and rebellion, those that were doing wrong, they, the Bible says they went straight into hell. There was no process. They didn't die first. They went totally alive. And he's always done that. Our God has always drawn a line in the land. And that line is, he says, those of you that do wrong, just go ahead and continue to do wrong. Let the unclean person, the vile person, continue to be unclean. So God has been clear from the beginning. He told Cain, if you continue to do what's wrong, your countenance will continue to be fallen. You want to not be ashamed? You don't want to walk in a disposition that brings death to those around you? Then do what's right. But here the last book of the Bible says, listen, God wants to remove the wrong and the unclean person to one side. And then he says, let the one who does right. You know who those people are that want to do right. You look over to them and they're doing right. And they're walking in righteous disposition. And their life is filled with righteousness. They want to do the things that please God and not please themselves. Those who want to do right, continue to do right. And let him, the holy person, the one who wants to separate himself, because that is where we're at now. As we're talking about emergency crisis, is the capacity to make a decision. Where are you going to be and I've heard some people say, are you going to be on the right side of history? Are you going to be on the right side of people like Noah? Everyone had an opportunity to participate in the building of the ark. Everyone had an opportunity to be inside the ark. Everyone was invited. He preached for 400 years righteousness. So it's not that you don't know what's right. It's not that God is not making a clear indication of what person you ought to be in the midst of these crises, in the midst of all warnings and being alerted in this season. God was so faithful even to bring you to this word, to listen to his word, that in the midst of all the shaking that's going on, there's an unshakable kingdom. And now he says, in the midst of all things being destroyed and falling into darkness what kind of people ought you be and he tells you the answer holy and godly holy and godly because Jesus is coming back holy and godly because there is two kingdoms a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness he's transferred us from the kingdom of darkness of disobedience and rebellion to the kingdom of his son to show forth the praises, to talk about how amazing it is that once you were lost, but now you're found. Once you were blind, but now you see. Once you were deaf, but now you hear. Someone's speaking to you. Somebody's giving you answers, not more questions. 
not more darkness. He's saying, what people ought you be? You ought to be a holy and godly people waiting for Jesus' return. So this is a clear indication, and this is what's going on in a, in a dark atmosphere where people would rather be lukewarm. Instead of being holy or unholy, you say you're straddling the fence. Instead of being clean or unclean, you're straddling the fence. Instead of being obedient or disobedient, you, you are in the middle, and God is calling you to separate. And how does he do that? Let's go read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. The voice of the Spirit of God says, come out from them and be separate. He's calling you to remove yourself. The invitation to come out is not something that God's going to do in your life. It's something that you decide that you want. You want to remove yourself from the company of those that do not walk in holiness and godliness, that do not obey, that are not clean, that don't want to do things that are right. He says, come out from them and be separate. Separate yourself, says the Lord. Do not touch anything unclean so that I will receive you. So in the old days, we used to mess with mud and dirt and grime. But now it's not a physical uncleanness as much as it is an attitude of unclean disposition attitudes. Unclean things that that God doesn't like, things that are hidden in your heart like murmuring and complaining, the private issues. They're, they're not physical unclean, they're spiritual uncleanliness. There are dispositions of your heart, dispositions of your conduct, disposition of your company that talk about the attitudes in your heart. And the Lord is saying, listen, dispossess yourself and separate yourself from a climate and a company that's not consistent with me receiving you. Because right now the earth is filled with all manner of twistedness. People go around now quoting Bible scriptures and singing Bible songs and reading the Bible and singing and they're walking in things that God detests. Today it's normal. For you to be in full-blown rebellion and say that you're having quiet time with the Lord. There's been pastors that says, I have to leave my wife so that I can do the will of God. I have to break my marriage so that I can continue with my ministry. I just heard a pastor this week say, you got to stop being the church so you could be part of the kingdom. We're, we're seeing levels of wickedness and proclamations that totally contradict the word of God, the nature of God, the character of God. And so we're living in the worst times possible. 
Because there used to be a day where wicked people would not come near the Bible or church or Christian songs. But now they whistle amazing grace straight to the pit of hell. Because they're saying that the grace of God allows them to walk in sin. They're saying the grace of God is sufficient to be anything ungodly, and that's called license. And so what, what is our present day of deception and craziness, watch this, is that people are either walking in license, which means that they could do all manner of evil and God doesn't care because his grace saves. And then the opposite side is legalism, where religious character is imposed upon others that don't desire it. So between license and, liber and legalism, you have all manner of confusion. That's why this, this word of God, the Lord is telling you that have ears to hear, come out from them and be separate and touch nothing unclean so that I will receive you. Verse 18. Then we'll have a father-son relationship. I will be a father to you. Now, I'm, I, have, I have a wonderful time in this season of my life and, and seeing the attributes of a father. What's a father? One who's concerned. This is one who is not a father, has no concern. But if you're a father, you're concerned. And sometimes my kid says, Dad, don't worry about it. Listen. The Lord has placed the disposition of the Father's heart in my heart, and I care, and I make provision. The Father that says, behold what manner of love the Father has, has loved us with, that while we were yet sinners, he sent his Son. The Father cares and is concerned and delivers his provision for your situation. And so he says, if you decide to separate and come from apart from them, I will be a father to you. And I want to say that right now, the landscape of the world are a bunch of orphans and prodigals. What's that mean? No fathers. There's no relationship with the father. That's why they're chameleons. That's why they have to pretend pseudo-existence. Because a son is receiving the father's love. A son is walking in the father's heart. Jesus said at the age of 33, I must fulfill my father's pleasure. He showed us what it was to be a son. And if you will allow God to be your father by separating and sanctifying and, and letting him draw this line in your life, you will be sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. You will walk in his disposition. So in the last days, you'll see a clear landscape of those that will be acknowledging the Father, separating themselves, aligning themselves with his character of godliness, and then they will enjoy the fellowship with the Father. Uh, chapter 7 is the ongoing verse, verse 1. 
2 Corinthians 7.1, remember in the old days these letters that were written were not separated by chapters and verses. So we continue to read Paul's letter following verse 17 and 18 comes this one. He says, therefore, since we have these promises, since God is inviting us to be his sons, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates your body and your spirit, perfecting holiness because you have a special reverence for God. And this is what we're seeing, the work of sanctification, the work of holiness, bringing us to godliness, allows us to live in this season of crisis, uncertainty, and chaos in total peace. We're talking to the family of God. We're talking to the children of the Lord. Uh, worldly people don't have an appetite for having God as their father. His discipline and correction. He says if you allow him to discipline you and correct you, then you are a son. And if not, you're a bastard. You're illegitimate. You're not what he's looking for. You're not what he's receiving if we have the promises of his being our father and we being his sons, if we're able to walk in a manner where we are coming out from amongst the rest and we're being separate, we're not walking. And, and see, see, the devil, he knows if holiness and godliness are the attributes of being found blameless at his coming, then the, the devil has to come and, and he has to make you unclean and give you attitudes that are inappropriate. Instead of perfecting love, he's made you selfish. He's, he's allowed you to dabble into pornography. He has given you sexual perversion and immorality. He has walked you down the pathway of sensuality. He has made you lewd. He has taken you to license. Or the Bible says in the last days, they will twist the grace of God and turn it into a license to walk in wickedness. So we have all manner of pastors and churches and they're preaching all manner of twistedness. There's no holiness. We don't know what holiness is. The separation the being able to distinguish between what's clean and unclean. What, what it is to walk outside of rebellion. And verse 2 says that the indication of perfecting holiness is making room for godly leaders in your heart. We could sit here and talk all day about this. How many times have I been evicted, removed, where people says, Pastor, I don't tolerate you in my life anymore, you in my heart. I don't want to hear a message that's calling me to walk away from the things that I want, the things that I feel, the things that I need. And Paul is saying, you know something? You cannot come to this portion of perfecting holiness when you have no room in your heart for men and women of God. 
well, I want to be your friend. I'm not your friend. I'm your spiritual father. I'm not your friend. I am the one who's preparing you to be found right before God. The one who gives an account for your soul, for what you're doing right now in your life. And what you're doing is shutting the door. You're making no room for us in your hearts. We have 11 pastors in this church. Before you make a decision, it would, in God's eyes, it would be pleasant to depict obedience that you sit down with the 11 of us and say, this is what God is telling me so that we can laugh that you're not taking God serious because you don't take a relationship with a pastor serious. Because you could trample the whole family of God and say that you're walking in the will of God. And you've made God a mockery because you've trampled the principles and the foundations that God taught us long ago. And that's where the Bible says in the book of, I believe it's the book of Jude, where he says in verse 1, I was going to write you manners concerning our salvation. Verse 1. Verse 2, verse 3, dear friends, I was eager to write about this salvation that we share. I felt compelled instead to urge you to fight for the faith that was once entrusted to God's holy people. Verse 4, for certain individuals. Whose condemnation is written about long ago secretly slipped in, in disguise. They're ungodly people. They pervert grace. They twist God's goodness. God is talking about holiness. God is talking about godliness. God is talking about us walking above board. He says they've turned the grace of God into a license for immorality. They no longer have a Lord they deny Jesus Christ's lordship in their life. There's no longer a master servant. Now they have become Lord and they tell Jesus what they're going to do. They have become twisted in the area of their disposition. Why? Why do they twist God's grace? Titus chapter 2 verse 11. Because the grace of God that has come that brings salvation to all people, this grace God has given us, verse 12, teaches you not to do what you want. Teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Teaches us to say we're to walk in godliness, not worldly passions, not doing what you want, where you want, how you want, and to live with this component of the fruit of the Spirit called self-control. That way you can be upright and godly in this present age. Verse 13, waiting for the return, the blessed hope and appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. The motivation of walking in a grace that tells you no, it's not a grace that tells you yes. It's not a grace that tells you I'm going to just do whatever I want even though it's not consistent to the life that I was taught by those godly people, going back to 2 Corinthians 17, 2, you have made no room in your heart for us. You cannot, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 2, 
when he's talking about godliness and holiness, he says, making room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We're not there to do damage to you. We have not caused you to be messed up. We have exploited no one. We haven't a, a taken advantage of no one whom we served. That's not what God has provided in this day and age. It's those calling you to maturity. Those calling you to responsibility. Those calling you to obedience, to discipline, to example. That's the call of the Spirit of God in the last days. And it's not lording over, which is legalism. We're not making you do these things. We're encouraging to walk in a manner which is pleasing to the Lord at his return so you're found blameless. Don't be surprised that you're on outside of the ark. Don't be surprised that you're um, dancing with Babylon, confusion, uncertainty, chaos, no footprints. As I was looking at these matters, I saw a passage in the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 10, where Jehu is going to kill all the prophets of Baal. And as he is there in 2 Kings 10, Jehu, uh, uh, verse 18. Jehu brought all the people together and said to them, Ahab served Baal a little bit. So Jehu is going to gather a huge gala of all these prophets of Baal. And he's going to tell them that's a great celebration. While Ahab served this demon of Baal a little bit, Jehu will serve him with more excellence. Now you guys know Jehu was a man that loved God and fought the battles of the Lord and was zealous for good works. And he's about to do something that's going to end Baal worship in Israel. So he calls a big party and invites all these prophets of Baal. Verse 19, he summoned all the prophets of Baal and their servants and their priests. See that no one is missing. Nobody could not be a part of this party. Because I'm going to hold a great sacrifice for Baal. Anyone who fails to come will no longer live. But Jehu was acting deceptively in order to destroy the servants of Baal. Verse 20. Jehu said, call an assembly in honor of Baal. So the whole land proclaimed a great big party. I would call this Halloween. It was a huge Halloween party. And he's going to get all the darkness in Israel and put them in a huge place. Verse 21. Who is he calling? The prophets of Baal, their priests, their servants. Then he sent word throughout Israel. All the servants of Baal come and not one stay away. They crowded into the temple of Baal until it was full from one end to the other. I believe that the earth is full of wickedness of those who do not love God those that do not want to be righteous those who want to continue to suck the mud of disobedience and selfishness and rebellion and so in this place the Halloween celebrations of our time I, I cannot believe those of you that celebrate death 
And if that death were to come inside your home and kill your children, you're inviting the spirit of death over your families. You are exchanging treats for tricks, trick or treat. And that you're practicing a, an abominable pagan celebration. It's the night of death, the night of sacrifice. And so Jehu is making this huge party and he calls everyone to come in and it was a full house. You couldn't get that many people to come to church. You couldn't get that many people to love God and to walk in, in his light. You couldn't walk in, in the peace of God most high that's without compromise. He's calling you out from these dark places, out from perversion, out from wickedness. And he wants a relationship as a father with you. And so the decision is yours. If you come out, you will have fellowship with him. And if you don't come out, you perish. So here in the old times, Jehu is calling a party. Everyone in Israel has come out that serves Baal. This is the place to be if you're in darkness. Verse 22. And Jehu said to the keeper of the wardrobe, bring robes for all the servants of Baal. So he brought special garments. You want to wear wickedness? Wear wickedness. You want to wear uncleanness? Wear uncleanness. You want to eat excrement at the dunghill? It's yours. That's your appetite. But God is calling you out. So he provides a robe. Now, now the most incredible, incredible, incredible thing is the next verse. They have to check and make sure that there are no Christians there. And Jehu and Jonadab, son of Rechab, went into the temple of Baal. And Jehu said to the servants of Baal, make sure that you look around and see that no one who serves the Lord is here with you. We only want the servants of darkness. We only want the servants of Baal. Could you believe that there would be an assembly of darkness and that there would be Christians there? So he had to say, wait a second, before we drop the bomb, make sure that there are no hidden secret service Christians. Because God does not want to bring his judgment upon his people. God does not want to destroy the righteous. God's coming affairs are for the righteous to escape, to be redeemed, to be rescued. And so God has always, when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he made sure that Lot and his family were out of there. And the coming days, as judgment befalls the earth, God does not want you to perish. The Bible says God does not want anyone to perish, but that all repent and turn to God. The invitation is extended to you. He's reached out his hand to you, but you didn't regard it. You wanted to continue in the direction of rebellion, of disobedience, of arrogance, of independence. So when they check around and made sure that there were no servants of the Lord, look around and see that no one who serves the Lord is here. We're not supposed to be anywhere near Halloween, anywhere near where the devil's evil spirit is destroying mankind. Verse 24, 
as they looked around and saw that there were no servants of the Lord, so they went in to make sacrifice and burn off his. Now Jehu had posted 80 men outside with a warning. If one of you lets any of the men outside of this place escape, it will be your life for his. Because these guys are about to be judged by the end of the sword. Verse 25 as soon as Jehu had finished making the burnt offerings, he ordered the guards and the officers to go in and kill them and let no one escape. So they cut them down with the sword and the guards and the officers threw the bodies out and then entered the inner shrine of the temple of Baal. They killed every one of, and to the last of these prophets of Baal and servants of darkness and priests of wickedness. And so we know the heart of God. He's called us to be saved and to be delivered. I want to share this verse. I think it's important and I'll finish with this verse. The Lord knows how to deliver the righteous. He knows how to deliver us from destruction that befalls the earth. Second Peter chapter 2. He's able to deliver the righteous. Verse 9. This is the end all be all. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from the trials that are coming. He knows how to deliver those that are seeking holiness and godliness. He knows how to rescue us, deliver us, free us. But he holds the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. He's able to set you free if you choose holiness and godliness if you choose to walk and make room for God's servants in your life if you choose to seek God's answer for the day that things are being shaken he's able to save us he's able to punish the ungodly verse 10 especially those this is especially true for those who follow corrupt desires of the flesh. Especially for those who despise authority. Especially those that are bold and arrogant. And they're not afraid to disrespect divine beings. God knows the measure. He knows the weight. Verse 11, he says, the angels that disobeyed God in heaven, they are stronger and more powerful. They do not dare talk about dignitaries, heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. They're not disrespectful. They understand the climate. 
The Lord wants us to move in the right direction. The Lord wants us to be saved. Father, I pray today that you give us a heart for holiness and godliness. Keep us away from the two areas that are in the scope of your judgment, which is licentiousness, license, the grace that's perverted to do all things and say God doesn't care, or legalism, that we're imposed on the things we don't want to do. Make us the people that listen to your voice. Make us the people that want to be clean, that want to seek righteousness, that desire godliness, that want to walk in your grace. Make us the people that have chosen to depart from those that are rebellious and unclean, those that are disobedient, those that are arrogant, those that are self-sufficient, filled with selfish ways. Allow us to be meek and humble and be found blameless at the Lord's coming. Allow your grace to perfect holiness in us and to perfect godliness in character and to move away from those things which you have said you will judge. And in the present climate of craziness, chaos and confusion, that there might be certainty and peace and that we might be grounded in your love. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says, amen and amen. God bless you. I love you. See you on Wednesday, and we continue to pray for the elections, continue to pray for America, but most of all, that we be the people of God in this season, and that we would shine, and that we would walk as we ought to be. God bless you. Love you.